please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for this time of worship and gathering. Will you please open our ears, our minds, and our hearts to the message that you have for us today? Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Um, super thrilled by all that you guys do to serve us in that. So, uh, we're starting a new series, a new year, a new series, um, on, uh, and we're calling it Monuments, okay? Uh, monuments are things um, that serve as reminders to us for, uh, or bring to attention, bring to mind uh, something else. They represent something to us to remind us of an event or a truth that stands behind that event. Um, they help us to look backwards so that we can look forward. Um, and oftentimes, um, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes uh, I'll go somewhere and you'll, you'll find these monuments, but sometimes you don't even know what they commemorate sometimes. And it's kind of neat to look at some of the history behind some of those, because the reason they often exist is to remind us of things we're most prone to forget. And so, remembering is something that the scriptures talk a lot about, and we're going to look at throughout this series what it is that these monuments of scripture um, that are laid out throughout some of these passages of scripture tell us about uh, a truth about God or something we are called to remember that are we, we are probably prone to forget. Um, but before we get to some of those, I want to show you some examples of likely some monuments that you're familiar with. Some of them, you know, it's going to be pretty easy. Um, the first one is, what, it guesses? Oh, wow, Statue of Liberty. Y'all are really great with history here. Somebody said it, Right. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. I can just hear the jokesters up here. All right? I was one of you. It's the, the Eiffel Tower, right? Anybody know where the Eiffel Tower commemorates? Rhett. Paris. <laughs> Yay, Paris, right? No. Anybody? Seriously, anybody know? You don't? Okay. <laughs> England. Yeah, French and England aren't best buds there. Yeah. Uh, anybody ever been to the Eiffel Tower? Nobody? Have you really? That's awesome. Cool. The Eiffel Tower commemorates the 100th uh, anniversary of the French Revolution. So, French Revolution happened in 1789. The Eiffel Tower um, was built in, I believe, 1889, so it commemorated the French Revolution. So there you go. Hey, you can't say you didn't learn something at youth tonight, all right? So, and that is not the Leaning Tower of Pisa, so you've learned two, at least two things. All right, maybe something that's a little bit easier for us is the Big Ben <laughs> I love I love that you guys are just making up stuff. This will totally be something that I would do here. Big Ben, yeah. Yeah. Big Ben's the name of a lady. You know, she is big, but I don't, I've never met a lady named Ben, but okay. 
All right, the Statue of Liberty, right? And what does the Statue of Liberty symbolize? It's a gift from the French. Peace treaty. The what? Bicentennial of the United States. Yes, and liberty, right? It is the it is a banner of liberty for the United States um, that is celebrated. That was actually a gift from the French. Yes, um, maybe a little bit. <laughs> had to get England in one more time. Love it. Um, maybe this last one, if you didn't get the first two, will be even more familiar to you. I'm going to be really concerned if you don't know. <laughs> He keeps going. He keeps going with the leaning tower. I guess it could be leaning. Um, you have been there. I've actually not been up inside this. I've actually never been up inside the the gateway arch. It's fascinating. Does it move when you're up there? See, that's freaky. I've heard the elevator, is it this one that has the elevator that's like all rickety and you don't know if you're going to make it up? It's terrifying. (laughs) Thank you for the realistic description. All right, I've yet to be up there. I saw a news anchor, this is, you, you didn't come here for this tonight, I didn't come prepared. I saw a news anchor who was like showing how they clean it and he like, there's like these little hatch doors that they can go out and like rappel down the side of it. It's ter- it looked terrifying. Like even on the TV, it looked terrifying. Um, oh, yeah? It's scary. Man, I mean, it's scary. I get like 30 feet off the ground and I get freaked out, though. I'm a chicken. So um, uh, what does the Gateway Arch commemorate? Anybody? The gateway to the west, okay? That's what it's known as, but what does it commemorate? <laughs> Louisiana Purchase, which, in yeah. What is it? What are those things doing? They're all the western, westward, I can't say that tonight, expansion of the United States. Good. So all of these monuments did you notice that some of them, like, we knew, but maybe some of them we, like, the monuments, or some of them we didn't know, um, some of them we didn't even know what country they were in. Um, did you notice that sometimes the monuments themselves become so familiar that sometimes it's easy to, for us to forget even maybe what they commemorate? And so, one of the things that we see in the scriptures are that this, this remembering is not just an inward kind of intellectual, mental exercise. But when the scriptures talk about remembering, it also includes an external action that is always linked to it. So when you see something in the scriptures that is meant to commemorate and cause us to remember a monument, a memorial, we're going to look at those um, in the scripture, just a handful of these because they have something to show us about God from a past time for our time, it always is meant to be to call us forth not just to think about something, but to act upon something. Okay? So remembering 
is something that keeps us anchored to truth through God's work in former times to encourage us and to stir us to act upon those same truths in our time. Because here's the thing about monuments, memorials, those kind of things. They still speak to us today. They still represent truths, values, and ideals and even those things are enshrined in moments, okay, that they commemorate so that we would remember and act in the same way. Because here's the thing, they tell us what we are most prone to forget sometimes. Um, and when we forget truth, you know what happens to us? We are susceptible to lies. Anybody seeing some people susceptible to lies right now in our culture. It seems like you don't really know where to look because they can kind of kind of come out of nowhere right now, right? We're when we when what we find is that when we are prone to forget, we're prone to forget truth, and when we're when we're prone to forget truth, we are susceptible to living from lies. Monuments, they can be living like people, okay? And their stories that help commemorate these things. Or they can be inanimate things. Um, but they are usually the most important in times of confusion and times that are filled with conflict. And so that's why I, want, I, I thought this would be a helpful thing for us to explore. Because in many ways we, we do live in a day where perhaps we are in most need of these remembrances in the midst of confusion and conflict because they become all the more valuable to us in that. We're not going to look at the Eiffel Tower tonight and the next week look at the Statue of Liberty. Um, but we're going to see in the scriptures um, some of these things and how they, what they tell us about the truth of God and who we are. Um, and here's the thing about these things. They return us to who we are. So they remind us not only of who God is but who we are why we are here, what we are called to be a part of, that in fact the time we are living in, although it is unique, it is not isolated in the sense that, it, that, that people have not lived through seasons like it, but then it also calls us to consider how we might act through the examples of those who have gone before us. And so here's the main point of my, our message tonight, and it's basically kind of the main point of this short series we're going to walk through, that remembering these monuments, these memorials, and they call us to remember, uh, remembering keeps us anchored to truth through God's work in the past to empower us in our day. So remembering is something that anchors us to truth in former times, through through former times, things that happened in former days, expressed through former times, so that it might empower us in our day. So we're not just going to look at truths, as helpful as that may be, but we're going to look at events that are tied to them, so that we would remember and even see examples of what living out those truths look like. And so uh, tonight, I want to give us just Three ways that the role of remembering has for us today. Like, why is it important for us to remember? And why are these monuments in our life that the scriptures will tell us about who God is, 
and the truths therein. Why, why is that so practical for us today? And, and what purpose does it have for us? And this is the first one. So we're kind of laying the foundation of, of why we're headed this way and why this is important. Because of this, we are to take care to remember so that we don't forget. Did you know that's a command of Scripture? We're going to look at two of those instances here in just a moment. That we are actually called to take care because if we don't remember, we will forget. And we'll talk about what happens when we forget here in just a minute. But Deuteronomy chapter 4 is the main passage I want us to look at. This is given to Israel. Um, and this is what this is Moses speaking to Israel. And he says this, only take care. This is Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 to 13. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart and all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children how on the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, which was Mount Zion, um, or Mount Sinai, rather. And the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me that I may let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days of the, their life that they stood on the earth and that they may teach their children to also. And you came near and you stood at the foot of the mountain and while the mountain burned with fire from the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You have heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. And then he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, and that is the Ten Commandments. Do you hear how descriptive and real this experience of God is for these people? And what is the command that God through Moses gives them? Take care that you do not forget. Take care that you do not forget. Um, once again, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 through 16, he says it again. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and you've gotten full and you've built your houses and you lived in them and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold have multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, who led you through a great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, sounds fun, right? And thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. That's Deuteronomy 8. So again, we see here, take care lest you forget the Lord your God, and then turn away from obeying his commands. And when does he say, we, when are we most prone to forget? When we get fat and happy, right? Get comfortable. You, make, you, get, you, get, you get in the land and you, 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 everything you have is multiplied. You get good money. You get all these houses. You, you're, you've eaten and you're full. Your heart forgets the Lord. But you know what? In times that are hard... There's this reminder, remember, remember, remember. And in many ways, 
difficult times. He even says in verse 16, he led you through the wilderness, through all of these terrifying things. Terrifying is the adjective there. Led you through the terrifying wilderness. Why? So that he might humble you to do you good in the end. In many ways, 2020 and now, it was a great run, right? Five days. 2021 is a wilderness. And yet, God is doing it that he might humble us, he might test us, that we, lest we forget, but it's all so that he would do good to us in the end. So what happens when we forget? Well, you just kind of read that in the passage, right? We forget God, we begin to disobey, we turn from his commandments, but ultimately we forget what truth is. We become untethered to reality. We become detached from truth and we become detached from reality. The scriptures give us this picture throughout. Our hearts become wayward and we're led into all kind of destructive um, deceptions. Okay, Romans chapter 1 gives us this understanding. It tells us that we begin to practice unrighteousness and thereby deny truth which in the suppression of, our, of truth leads us further into unrighteousness and thereby leads us deeper into untruth. And so Romans 1 says it this way, For the God, wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all God, ungodliness and unrighteousness. If you're reading with me in your Bible, unrighteousness would be a word to underline or highlight or take note of. Notice this. It's coming against unrighteousness of men who by in their unrighteousness do what? They suppress the truth. How are they suppressing the truth? Because God has made himself known to them, he says in verse 19. And although they knew God, you can't. basically Paul calls all of creation into account. God has made them known in what he has made. That there is a God, that, that he is orderly, that he's good, that he's life-giving. Then we're, we're accountable to him if we are creatures. But then he says, although they knew God, they knew that he could be, the, be there, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they were futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And then here's what happens when you become untethered to reality and truth and unrighteousness and, 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 and you, you suppress the truth and you depart from the truth. Listen to what he says. You claim to be wise, but you actually are become fool, foolish. And then, verse 23, you exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves. Because here's the second exchange that happens. They exchange the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And so here's what God does. He, and this is the worst thing God can do, guys. Give us over to these deceptions. That we reach a point to where we have become so in our unrighteousness and denial of truth 
that we give ourselves over to it in this cycle of unrighteousness that leads to, uh, to suppression and denying of truth, that leads us further into unrighteousness, that leads us further into untruth. This spiral continues. And then in verse 26, God gives them up to this disor- dishonorable passion. And their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to, na- to nature. And their men likewise give up natural relations with women and are consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. And then he says this, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, this is ultimately what it comes down to, you don't acknowledge God. He gave them up to a debased mind to do what not, ought not to be done. And then they were, and here we go again, all filled with all manner of unrighteousness. There's unrighteousness again. It starts with unrighteousness, and then it just spirals over deeper and deeper. This is what happens when we forget. But let's go back to Deuteronomy. What do we have when we remember? In remembering, verse 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 4, he says this, In remembering, you take care of your soul. You take care of your hearts and your souls. First commandment, only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen and depart from your your heart all in your heart all the days of your life. And so here's what he says. He says, in remembering God's goodness, God's works, God's truth, we nourish and guard and cultivate and take care of our heart and our soul. The um, people of church history often um, compared the soul to a garden. Any gardeners in here? Just curious. You, you're, yeah, you actually are a gardener. You're really good at it. Um, your brother's he's the real gardener there, right? You taught him everything he knows, of course. Um, I have like a little like 10 by 5 thing outside our house, and I call that my garden. Um, but it's always been a, on a whim. But you know, one of the things I've noticed about trying to grow anything is you have to tend to it every day. If you don't pull up the weeds, what happens? It kills what you want to grow. If you don't water it and you don't tend to it, it withers. Your soul is the same way. Your heart is the same way. And so this image that we have in remembering truth, in remembering God's goodness, we keep our hearts and nourish it in his truth. And we set upon ourselves the God who intends, he says, to always do good to us. And he is the good God. So in remembering, you take care of your soul. Also, I don't remember if this is number two or number three. I think it's number three. Yeah, number three. In remembering, we help the generations coming after us. He says to do this so that we would be able to tell our children behind us, not only that they would not depart from our hearts, but that our children's children's children would know. That all the generations to come would know as well. Let me just kind of throw something out here, and I know this is going to be really weird to you. But have you thought about this season 
I can't say 2020 anymore because it doesn't exist. But 2020 has basically bled over into 2021. We all get that, right? Okay, this season, call it 2020 or whatever, is perhaps the season that you might be living in that God of all other seasons will use as a testimony to the people who will come after you. They might be your grandchildren. They might be your children. They might just be some young buck that you're going to invest in on down the road when you're an adult. Think about that. That God may have you in this moment right now to show you faithfulness in a way that you might tell the generations to come in a special way that only you can do that. But here's the other cool thing. We are recipients of that. We are recipients of those who have gone ahead of us in doing the same thing. We see this in this very scripture we're reading. We know these things to be true because they've done it. Now, have some of them done it faithlessly? Yeah, but even in that example, we have a testimony of truth of God. That His promises are good and they are true. And if we turn from them, we get led into all sorts of destruction. So in remembering, we actually help the generations coming after us. So if you don't want to live faithfully in this season for yourself, do it for whoever might come behind you. How can you lean into this season to grow and to see God work and put yourself in the best position for that to happen? And if not for yourself, to know that God wants to use you for somebody coming behind you. That's huge, guys. That's huge. And then... um, what this shows us is that God has not left us here without witnesses. He's not left us here without people who can show us and remind us of these truths older than us who help us remember. Deuteronomy 32 verse 7 says this, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. So basically, this, this passage says, if you, want to help, if you want help remembering, ask the people who are older than you around you. How has God been faithful? How have you walked through difficult seasons and hard seasons, pivotal seasons, moments that have shaped you and God showed you his goodness in a special way? How did... How does that motivate it and change you into the person that you are today? And how can, What can I glean and learn from those things? Because they motivate us in their example and their testimony of faithfulness so that we would walk in the same ways in our day. Yes, learn from their mistakes, but also learn from their successes. And then here's the cool thing. Not only do we get to be that for the next generation, and not only do you have that in those um, who are already among you, and, and from the scriptures testimony themselves, but then they are, we all get to be a part of what Hebrews calls this great cloud of witnesses. You heard of this, right? Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 talk about this great cloud of witnesses 
in what's known as the Hall of Faith. And it says that these speak today to us to embolden us to a similar faith. And so I just want to read four, ver- four or five verses here to remind us to this, and then we're done. This is what, the, this is what Hebrews 11, one of my favorite passages of all the Bible, just recounts. It defines what faith is, and then it recounts to us these examples of faith. It says this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Some of us need that reminder, right? Faith isn't wishfulness. It is an assurance of things that are not seen. Let's keep going. For by it, The people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then he goes on and begins to unpack all of these different examples of faith throughout all the years. These monuments of faith and remembering their faithfulness. Perhaps one of the most interesting of this is the first one. It's Abel. Of all people, Abel. And Pastor Lane brought this passage to our attention if you were at Conclave on Friday Friday night. yeah. But it says this, By faith Abel offered to God a more, more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commended him by accepting his gifts. And this is probably the most powerful part of that passage. He says this. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Wait, what? Abel? Abel. Like Adam's son, Abel. Like way, 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 way back, right? Like think back as far as you possibly can think. And then keep going. All right. He still speaks today. His faith and his righteousness and his example, though he is dead, he still speaks. And in his speaking to us, these examples of remembrance, they model for us what faith looks like, who God really is, and what life lived unto God looks like for us. And then it goes on in the end of chapter 11 and says this, and this is verse 39 through 12, 2. And these, all of these, you can go, I'd encourage you to go home and read it. And these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Wait. What? Yes, all of these great examples, these monuments of the faith, they did not receive what is promised. You mean Noah? Yes, Noah didn't receive it. You mean Moses? Yes, he didn't even receive it. Wait, what? Elijah? Elijah? Yes, they have yet to receive the promise. Why? Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us. They're waiting for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The promise, listen, that's huge, that'll bring you to tears. The promise 
that our forefathers of the faith, yes, those people you read about in, in the scriptures, those people you've heard about in Sunday school or kid life or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> um, they are waiting for us. It is our day to walk in these truths as they did in their time. And then he says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses such as these, let us also lay aside every weight that entangles and every sin that clings so closely and let us do what? Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run our race. Live in such a way in our day. How? Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now, in case you need to remember, victorious sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. That is how we do these things. And so the question remains, then, as we look and we remember these examples of faith, these monuments that we will examine, some of these, they call us to not forget to remember these things, to tend to our soul and our hearts, perhaps in a time where it is most needed, so that we might do so for the generations coming after us and be joined with them in this great cloud of witness. How? By looking to Jesus, who is in control, who has us here for a reason, who has set this race before us for a reason, and has provided a means for our own endurance in the midst of it. And so I want to ask you, is this how you're looking at 2020 blended into 2021? <laughs> because it's difficult, I know. But in order to do so, we have to remember. And we have to look to Jesus. And so if you are here just tonight and you've never come to a place where you've received Jesus and placed your faith and trust in him, I want to simply ask you to do this and plead with you to say, none of this matters unless you are a Christian. None of this matters unless you have said yes to him first and given your life to him. Because he is God. And he's come to die and to give you life. But if you are a Christian, don't check out in this season. Don't be caught up in the storm of this season. But remember who he is. Remember the examples of those who have gone before you. And in their example, walk in their ways. So that we might live faithfully in ours as well. So that we might be able to turn and say to the generations coming behind us, if they're our grandkids or whoever they might be, or just some kid down the street that you, you get to disciple one day, you know, when you, whoever. That God has been faithful. You know, that year was one of the hardest years. We had to wear these silly things on our face everywhere we went. But God was faithful, and he did a great work in my life. You can trust him. If you need an example of that tonight, as one of those elders, as one of those older people, I am just as confused as you are. But I can tell you this. I've walked through some fires, and you can trust God. You can trust Jesus. You can walk with him.
Remembering keeps us anchored to the truth through God's work in the past to empower us in our daily. Take the next 10 minutes in, your, in the people around you, if you'll just kind of circle up, walk through these discussion questions together, and then we'll be closed. If there's a way I can pray for you or bless you or any of your leaders, we'd be happy to do so. Um, we, once you're done in your groups, you're dismissed, you can head over to the multi-purpose room. We'll see you on Sunday, right? Right? Yes. See you on Sunday. Love you guys.